0: It's so fun seeing little videos like that and just being reminded of, of what God is up to. Uh, and, and it's kind of cool because it, it's actually a, a nice little segue into our our sermon this morning because we're, we're working our way through this series on better choices, right? What does God's Word teach us about how do we make wise choices? And today we're specifically looking at this question of, of how do the choices I make affect my legacy? And so what we got to see in that little video is the effects that some parents' choices are making on their daughter. And we're going to look at that a little bit because here's something I want you to to think about. As we look through this, right, we're we're kind of thinking about this question of kind of almost reverse engineering things, right? If we know what we want to have in a legacy, then what are the things that we need to be doing now to get there? And What what does that look like and what's my responsibility in all this? So we're going to kind of looking through that, knowing the outcome we want. What do we need to do and, and how does God's word direct us in that? But here's the thing that we need to address right off the bat. So whether you're sitting here in the room, whether you're joining us online, here's the thing that you need to know. You are leaving a legacy. You are leaving. There's no getting out of it. It's not like, well, I think I'm going to someday else. Like right now, you are making choices that are affecting a legacy that you will leave. So the question is, what, what kind of legacy is it that you're leaving? And this is what you're hoping for. And the reality is, is, as we all know, whether we want to admit it or not, rarely do we just hope for something and get it. Right? It takes being intentional and working towards it. So thinking about that, here's I uh, ran across this quote from Billy Graham. He said, The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is a legacy of character and faith. So as we talk about leaving a legacy, we want to talk about this question, how do we leave a legacy of faith? How do we leave a legacy of of faith in Jesus (coughs) excuse me so I want to start us off looking at an example from Scripture an example of someone who clearly had this and benefited from it and Paul was someone who left a huge legacy but one of the people that he poured into was Timothy and Timothy is a, a, a young guy who came alongside of him in ministry. Paul kind of saw him as a son. But, but listen to the way that Paul addresses Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5. He writes this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul points this out in Timothy, he says, I see this faith in you, but here's the cool thing about the faith I see in you, Timothy, it's it's been handed down from generation to generation. Because I saw it in your grandmother and your mother, and there's this legacy that has been passed down. And so as we get started this morning, I want you to just kind of take a moment and think about what, what kind of legacy was left for you. Now, I know if you're sitting with your parents, don't make eye contact right now. All right? But, but think about that. What kind of legacy was left for you? All right? Some of you may be thinking, I'm, I, I can relate with Timothy. All right? My wife can look at that and look back to her parents and her grandparents, her grandfather who was a, a preacher for 60 years and faithfully proclaimed the word of God. And, and told his children about it and, and, and his grandchildren. And Emily can look back at that heritage and, and be thankful for how God has worked in her family. And the example. And she, she talks about times in college where she was learning something about Scripture and was able to just go on like vaca- on like on Easter or something and, and sit down and talk with her grandma. And be like, Grandma, have you read this before? And be able to have conversations with her grandma about it. Some of you may be sitting here and, and be like me who are saying, well, I've, I've got a legacy of faith, but it, it doesn't go back that far. Right? For me, and I, I've shared this many times, my parents, when they were married, went to a church kind of like Hope and, and, and gave their lives to Jesus. And so by the time I came around, like we were in church all the time, I didn't know any different, right? but they made a choice that changed the trajectory of their family. Or maybe you're you're like my parents and you find yourself sitting in this room and being like, I don't, I don't know what kind of legacy I have, but I want to make a change. I want to change the trajectory of my family. I want to, I want to start a new legacy. So wherever you're at, it all boils down to, to this one simple thing. When we talk about building a legacy that matters, is that it's a legacy of faith. And it's the whole question that that Pastor Matt wrestled with last week. If you were here, you can think back to it. If you weren't, you've got homework to do. You can go watch it and and wrestle with it. Or I'll just sum it up here in a sentence. Not quite, but it all boils down to this one question. What are you doing with Jesus? What do you do do with Jesus? Is Jesus just some wise teacher who's given us some good things to think about? Or is Jesus who he said he was? Is Jesus God come to earth to to do what we couldn't do, to die in our place and to offer us life forever with him? Is Jesus our Savior and Lord? And if so, then what? And so as we talk about building a legacy of faith, it it all starts with that. It's it's every choice that we make is, is based out of that initial decision. What have I done with Jesus? Is he my Lord and Savior? Is he just some advisor? Or is he some fool that I don't want anything to do with? What do you do with Jesus? And so as we talk about building a legacy and making choices that affect our our legacy, again, it's it's this process of reverse engineering. We know what we want, right? We want to build a legacy of faith. We want uh, generations after us to be able to build on the, the foundation that we've laid and the example that we've set. And so what does that look like? So what are the choices I need to make now? And how do I do that? And that's where it really becomes challenging because we run into this problem of of all these choices that are need to be made and and as followers of jesus yes we're we're children of God, we're citizens of the kingdom in heaven, and yet we still find ourselves living here and there's lots of things that we need to wrestle with, lots of decisions that we need to make that don't seem like they're they're addressed in the Bible right like so there's this whole thing about like you know as humans we need to like eat and so therefore we gotta have a job and a house and all those kind of things, right? So, so what job should I take? Like what career should I go into? Like who should I marry? All those questions and, and, and as we read God's word, it's like well those things are addressed kind of in there but it's not like there's a, a, an answer for every question just right in God's word. That tells me exactly the answer, right? It's not like you can open it up and see the name of somebody you're gonna marry, so how do we make those decisions? How do we live in that? And how do we not get distracted by the things around us? How do we balance those things? Because it's, it's a challenge because we are called to be followers of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we're aliens and strangers in this world, that this world is not our home, that we were made for a heavenly kingdom. See that in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in Hebrews 13, this reminder that this world isn't it for us. And yet we're still called to be in this world. And, and so we can be easy to, to get distracted by all these simple things around us, the physical things around us, of, of wanting to be able to provide a great home for our kids, of wanting to be able to, to give our kids wonderful things and experiences and, and be able to be successful and all of those things. Like, but how how can those things maybe sometimes distract us from the things that matter? And as a father of Jesus. We're called to be members of His kingdom and belong to His kingdom. We're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to be generous. We're supposed to love one another sacrificially. The first shall be last. The greatest of all is a servant. That's that's God's kingdom standard. And so we get into this question of like, well, how do I balance those things, right? Right? And as a parent or as a grandparent, what are the things that matter that need to be passed on? And sometimes it can be tricky because, well, it would be great if my son knew how to throw a fastball. But in the long run, is that the most important thing? And it would be great for my kids to be involved in all of these opportunities. But what, what matters in the end and how do we balance those things? What, what choices do I make? As a parent, right, my, my son right now is in a basketball league playing at the YMCA and he's learning lots of great skills with team, not necessarily dribbling, I'm not teaching him any of that stuff. You don't want me to be teaching him that stuff, right? But he's learning lots of great skills about teamwork and discipline and hard work. And those things are great. Do they, do they matter in the long run? Well, they're, they're valuable and they're beneficial. So how do I make those decisions? Right? Because it can be really tricky when you're, as a parent, you're, you're overloaded with options. As a grandparent, you want all these wonderful things for your kids. And how do we make the decisions about what things to do and what things not to do? In the end, what matters is the one thing about what do we do with Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. God has given us instructions that there would be the things that, that guide every decision that we make. So here's what I want to make sure we do. We're, we're going to look at how do we make those decisions. And as I mentioned, as we look in God's word, it's not like there's there's a, a direct answer to every single question we might ask, right? Or, or, or a decision we need to make. We can't necessarily find all those things in there. And, and here's the challenge is if I were to sit down and and we could, we could have a whole series where for hours on hours, I'd get a stool so I don't have to stand the whole time. And right, we could just go through the Bible and say, here's all the decisions that you're going to be faced with, and here's how to answer every single one. And here's the problem with doing that. One, I'd probably get most of them wrong. And two, as I answer those questions, my, my family is different than your family. My kids are different than your kids and your grandkids. The decisions that are best for our family aren't necessarily, it's not like there's, there's this, this is the answer that all of you need to do. And it's, it's this process of wrestling. How do we understand God's word? And how do we apply it to our lives? How do we take that one thing that matters and use it to make decisions? And so the rest of this morning is not going to be me going step by step through every decision that you will face for your family and the right choice you need to make to establish a legacy of faith. But more about here are the principles that we need to use as we wrestle with all those decisions. And really it comes down, I think, to three simple things. And I say simple because they're all really simple to say. But they are going to take a lifetime of work to try to do. And so here we go. The first thing. We have to be transformed. If we want to build a legacy of faith, then it has to start with us. I don't care what legacy you were left. You still have a choice to make. You still have a decision to make for you. And what are you going to do with Jesus? And that will have implications for the rest of your life, for the rest of your family, for the rest of your heritage. What are you going to do? And it starts with simply this, believing that the Bible is true. That this is God's word to us. That Jesus is who he says he is. And if that is true, then it, it changes everything. And not only do I believe that God's word is true, not only do I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but then I act on it. And I live it out. And I'm transformed, not because I'm now following a new set of rules, but because I've been made alive by the Spirit of God. I've surrendered my life to Jesus because I understand that I can't do it on my own. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner who needed a savior and Jesus came for me. Romans 12:2, "Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." We have to be transformed by God's word. That's, that's why we talk about it every week when we get together. That's why we've challenged you to be reading through God's Word. How, how do we know what God says for us if we don't spend time getting to know God, to know His Word to us, that, that we read it, that we meditate on it, that we learn it, and we allow it to transform us, that we are being changed day by day, decision by decision, choice by choice. We are being remade in the image of Christ. Right, if you're new, if this is your first time visiting us or watching us online. Let me just be clear: I am not perfect. Neither is if the cameras were to pan this room, which they won't. Don't worry. Right, but you could be watching us online. This room is not filled with perfect people. Like none of us have it all together. We're all sinners who have been saved by grace. And we're in the process of being transformed into the image of God, allowing Him to have control and authority in our lives and learning to follow Him. Day by day, choice by choice, decision by decision, making mistakes, confessing again, asking for forgiveness, saying, God, I'm sorry. Or maybe it's directly to another person, I'm sorry. I have failed and we pick it up and do it again. That's what we're talking about. We have to be transformed. And our legacy doesn't change if if it doesn't start with us. So regardless of the heritage that's been handed down to you, you have a choice to make. What are you going to do with Jesus? And are you allowing him to transform your life as you follow after him? The second thing, and and these all really flow out of one another. The second thing is this. Talk about it. Talk about your faith. All right? As you become transformed, as you learn to follow after Jesus, this, this has to become part of who you are. you got to teach your kids. you got to talk about it with them. Talk about your faith. It can't just be something that's reserved for Sundays and left to the professionals. All right? Especially if I'm your professional. All right? It's got to be you talking about this, talking about your faith, talking about the times that you mess up, living it out in front of your kids. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a the stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. You hear that? There's the, there's the promise so that we've got to talk about it with our kids. We need to tell them the praiseworthy things that the Lord has done. We need to tell him about his faithfulness, not just in what God's word says, but in our own lives. How has God been faithful to me? How has God been good to me? I, I need to talk about those things with my kids. It can't just be something that we wait for Sundays to to do church, and maybe we'll talk about it in the car on the way home, but, but in every moment, how are we talking about our faith? How are we living it? Now, it's the same thing that we read in Deuteronomy, right? That, that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? And then we're supposed to talk about it with our children. We're supposed to plaster our houses with, right? It should affect every aspect of our lives. When we go to work, our conversation, this, this it should be lived out. The decisions I make, every decision has to come under this this thought of, well, what, is, what does God's word say about this? What does it mean as a follower of Jesus to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? How should I, I use my money? How should I use my time? What things should I spend invest in? How should I do all these things? Everything comes under that, and let's talk about it with our kids. And this idea comes from, I mean, it's repeated throughout the Psalms. In Psalm 1, that, that we're, we're planted as a tree by the stream whose roots go down, that the Word of God takes root in our hearts, that we delight in the Word of God, that it's the, it's the light to our path. It's, it, it shows us what, where we're going and what we're doing. But guys, it's so important that we talk it out and we explain what God is doing, what He's teaching us, because that's that's part of l- demonstrating it for our children. And I think the natural response to that is that as we talk it out, we have to live it out. Right, it can't just be something that we teach and we tell people and we instruct, but we have to demonstrate it. We have to set an example. For our kids, we have to set an example. For our grandkids, we have to set an example for the people around us that God has put in our lives. We get to be an example for them. It's the whole, I mean, you guys know this from experience. Authenticity is what matters. Somebody demonstrating and showing you and how to live out their faith matters way more than somebody who can talk eloquently and tell you what to do. It matters what we do. And if we want to make an impact in our children and in our grandchildren, if we want to make an impact in the world around us, we can't just say all the right things. We have to live it out. We've got to demonstrate a humble willingness to submit to God's Word and follow Him. And when we screw up, we own up, and we start again. And we continue to, to follow after Jesus that's what Paul did right, we, we can talk about all the, the things that Paul wrote and we talk about how Paul traveled around and planted all these churches but what did Paul do he poured into the people around them he he didn't just teach people he wasn't a great speaker He even says that about himself that he wasn't great with words but he lived out his faith and people saw it and followed him and he said that we talked about Timothy in the beginning, but again, 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells him, All the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witness, trust reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Timothy's instructions as he's trying to raise up more leaders is, do what he saw Paul do. The things that he heard and saw Paul do, teach other people to do those things. In Philippians 4, 9, Paul said again, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul set his life up as an example. Follow me as I'm following Christ. He didn't claim to be perfect. He acknowledged his shortcomings. He said, I'm I'm screwing up. I've been a failure, but I'm chasing after Jesus because he's all that matters. And as I follow him, imitate me. The things that reflect Christ in me do those things. Paul lived out his faith, and he set it as an example for others. Paul didn't have kids of his own, and yet he had a huge influence in the church, and he had a huge legacy of faith that he passed on. So, again, whether you are parents sitting in here or grandparents or your kids that think someday you might have kids or maybe not, you get to leave a legacy. So, what are you doing? How are you living your life now? Because you will leave a legacy. It's not an option. So, what are you doing? I got to tell you a quick story. We saw the video earlier of a little Elsie singing her song, it, that she's catching from watching her parents and learning from her parents, and her parents are bringing her to church, and she's learning those things, and she's catching them because she sees it lived out, right? But last Sunday, during the second service, during this service, I, I was out in the lobby, and I walked over into the preschool area. I was carrying some stuff over to the kitchen over here. And as I walked over and I was about to set stuff on the counter, I, I heard one of the volunteers in the kitchen with one of the preschoolers and they're washing hands. And as I, so I was trying not to distract him, as I, I just started to overhear him. Here's, here's a guy who is faithfully serving in the preschool area. It's not his grandkid, not his kids, but he's loving these kids. And as he's, they're talking, as they're washing their hands, talking about how great the day was and how fun it is that they get to be at church. And then as they're doing that, this guy just quickly says, You know, we need to thank God for it right now. And just started to pray. And thanking God that this kid got to be at church that day. And all the other kids were there and they're having fun. In the end, he said, amen. He's like, and how about you? And the kid shouted, amen. And they headed back up the stairs. And it was just like such a wonderful picture. Here's somebody who's doing this. He's not on staff here. He's just somebody who understands what Jesus has done for him. And he wants to pass that on. And he wants to show it. To the next generation. He wants to teach kids how we get to just, we get to be in conversation with our Father. And we can thank Him for all the good things that He's given us. We get to leave a legacy. And so, what does that look like? It really flows out of those things. It, it, it's that simple. We believe God's word is true, and we let it transform us as we learn to obey. We talk it out. We live it out in community, in relationship with others, and and, and we get to leave a legacy of faith as we invest in the things that matter. Now, like I said, that's really simple to say. It's a lifetime of trying to do it and live it out. But that's what it takes. If we want to leave a legacy, then, then it comes down to every decision, bringing into submission under the word of God and learning to follow him in everything. Now, before we go, though, I, I, need, uh, I need to be very clear that there's, there's three things that I think you might have heard me say that are not what I said. And so I just want to clarify these things, all right? And so we're going to end on this because I think these are important. They're, they're mistakes that we often make, All right, So this is what I didn't say. All right, and the first one is this. These are biblical principles, not rules. All right, oftentimes, we can, we can start to look at God's Word. Here's the, here's the rule book. Here's the list of things that I have to obey. This is if I follow the formula, then I follow the rules, I'm good to go, and everything works out. And everything is that. No, the, God's Word is about our heart. Right? The law, the list of rules, that, that did not work out well. Right, The Pharisees became experts in the law. They were expert rule followers. They followed the rules so well that they even made extra rules to show how good they were at following the rules. And yet in doing all that, they completely missed Jesus. Because it's not about following a set of rules and proving how good we are. Because no matter how good we think we are at following the rules... We don't measure up to God's standard of perfection. It's about our heart. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus pulls it out. like You've heard it said, here's the law, don't commit adultery. But if you looked and you've committed adultery in your heart, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I tell you the truth, if you've had anger in your heart, you've, you've broken the law, right? It's about our heart. He sets the standard so high that we can't follow the rules. And so it's not about perfect rule following. We also run into this challenge that we think that every choice, every decision that we have to make is good versus evil, right? There's, there's God's one perfect plan for my life, and this is exactly it. And if I make one wrong move, then I'm, I'm out. Not every decision we fake is, face is good versus evil. Sometimes God presents life presents us with lots of good options, And so it's not about, here's the exact answer that I'm looking for. It's as we understand, as we're in submission to the Word of God, as we're learning that Jesus is Lord of our life and we want to follow Him, as I'm faced with the decisions, how do I make a decision that's God-honoring? And not every decision is right versus wrong. The second thing that I didn't say, and that God's Word doesn't say, is this. We have to remember that that we're talking about promises versus Proverbs. And we get those two things confused. You see, sometimes we we get this, uh, I want a desire in my heart. I want to honor God with my life. And so the decisions I make, I'm going to do things God's way. I want to honor Him. And as a result, God, now I've punched in the right formula. You owe me. God is not some cosmic ending machine that if we do things a certain way, then he's guaranteed and and obligated to reward us. And so oftentimes we look at these these proverbs in God's Word, we we look at these principles that God's Word teaches us as we try to follow them, and and we turn them into some promise that that God is is obligated to, to uphold. That's not the way it works. That's not who God is, right? Job will tell you. Job could tell you that from first-hand experience, right? He he was pleasing to God. He was a righteous man, and, and and look what happened to his life. Everything fell apart. He lost everything, and and had the the chance to argue with God about it. And God's response to him, the great answer that God gave him, was, "You're not God." And think of this one. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from them. We want to hold that as a a guaranteed promise. But it's not. I I can tell you, I, I mentioned my parents made a choice to follow Jesus. And so when they started following Jesus, they, they saw me and my siblings, they, they tried to tr- to train us up in the way we should go. Now, I mentioned earlier, right, that, that every time church was open, we were there. Right, we were there Sunday mornings. We were there in church. My parents taught us and, and challenged us to, to memorize the Bible. We went to a Wednesday night kids program, and we memorized Bible verses. I can still, like if you start a verse in NIV, I can quickly a lot of them I can turn it to New King James because that's what my parents taught us in right and I, I've got all these Bible verses that I've memorized as a kid and I'm thankful for that my parents said a wonderful example they were not perfect my parents would if they were here in town they could come up on stage and laugh and be like yeah we're not perfect but they pointed us to Jesus and they did lots of great things. They brought us to church. They, 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 we, we did devotions together as a family. We weren't great at it. We didn't do it consistently all the time. But we tried. We listened to the Bible. I can tell you, I remember listening to the Bible on tape while eating oatmeal in the mornings. Right? was not my favorite way to start a morning. But I'm thankful for it. My dad—I can remember some mornings coming down, and in the mornings where my dad was home, he works graveyard shift. He worked all sorts of different shifts throughout my childhood. But I can remember sometimes coming down to the kitchen in the morning, and my dad was at the, the, the table reading his Bible. He set an example for me to follow. <coughs> it was not a guarantee because my parents were obedient. It didn't mean that all me and my siblings were going to live. Be perfect children, right? We weren't. <laughs> we each have our own choice to make and what we're gonna do with Jesus. But my parents set a foundation for us. And I'm thankful for it. I think the third thing I want to make sure that you you don't get messed up with and didn't hear me say is that that these decisions aren't mutually exclusive. <coughs> All right, sometimes, again, we can, we can fall into this trap where we set up these, this false dichotomy between, between our two choices. Right? That if you're following Jesus, then, then, then you're so focused on what is, matters to God that, that you cannot be successful here on earth. Right? Because if, if you're being successful here on earth, that means you've got to be compromising in some ways because, because God calls us to be poor in spirit and so therefore poor. And so we're supposed to be giving everything away. So you cannot be successful if you're a good follower of Jesus. And some people will throw out this, this horrible argument Other people take it the other way, that if if you're following Jesus and you're faithful and you're living a good life, then God is going to and is guaranteed to reward you. So if you are poor, then something's wrong. You better confess because God is going to bless you, right? And we set up these two false ideas. And it's not true. It's a lie. We are called to be obedient. We're called to live good lives. We're called to point people to Jesus. First Peter two twelve. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. That's what we're called to be. That we are kingdom minded. That we are living out and being obedient to God. And as we do that, people see Jesus. I've met some people who have next to nothing and are extremely generous because they want to glorify God with everything that they have. And I've seen people who are wealthy beyond belief that I don't even understand, and yet they're just incredibly generous because they understand what God has called them to and how God has called them to steward what He's given them. It's not about earthly success or failure or anything like that. Our goal in life is whatever we do, whether in word or deed, to glorify God that we bring every decision under the authority of Christ and the authority of God's word, and we live as imitators of Christ. That's what we're called to be as followers of Jesus. Are we going to screw up? Yes. But it's day by day, decision by decision, how do we follow after Jesus? That's what a legacy is all about living intentionally and aiming in to build into the next generation to provide a foundation, whether it's your kids, whether it's your grandkids, whether it's your coworkers or family, whatever it is that, that we're intentionally chasing after Jesus and paving a way, setting an example for others to follow. So the question is, where are you at? And what do you do with this? The answer is you start Today. I don't care what legacy was left for you. You got a choice today to, 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 to start to live this way, to be a kingdom citizen. Follow, I want to do things God's way. I don't know what that's gonna mean. I don't know what decision's gonna come up later today, but I wanna do what God wants me to do. I want to to answer that question in a way that glorifies God. And it's learning to walk in that. You're gonna mess up. Your, your kids will see it. Hey, you can, Don't ask my kids. They'll tell you. But they can tell you all the ways that I haven't lived up. And we try to talk about it with them again. We try to live that out. My parents set an example for me, and I'm learning to walk in it. Emily's parents set an example for her. Grandparents set an example for her. We're walking in that and trying to set an example for our kids, continuing to point them to Jesus, that everything matters with what do we do with Jesus. We want to leave a legacy of learning to love God and love people. And that takes a day-by-day decision to surrender to God's word and allow Jesus to be Lord of our life. As we do that, we can pray that God uses that to transform the lives around us. Can you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, for the fact that, that, that you love us, that, that even in, in spite of our inability to live according to your standard, God, you love us and you've rescued us. And so, God, I pray that, that the hope that we have in you because of who you are, that Jesus that you died for us and that you have rescued us and, and we call you our Savior, we call you our Lord. God, help us to understand what it means to live in obedience to you. Help us to learn to walk day by day, choice by choice, learning to surrender our decisions to you. God, help us to live that out as an example for the world around us. Not that people would see us and be impressed with us, but that they would see the way we live and glorify you. God, would you use us to point people to you, whether that's our kids, whether that's our grandkids, whether it's our extended family or co-workers or neighborhood. God, God, use us. God, may we as your church be so, so caught up in who you are. So in love with you and your word that, that it just radiates through every aspect of our lives. And that people would see you. we ask this in your name